Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout out to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, the best tasting beer and more fun than a barrel of monkeys. Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? The Netherlands experiences the first car-free Sunday caused by the 1973 oil crisis. Highways are deserted and are solely used by cyclists and other skaters. U.S. President Richard Nixon authorizes construction of the Alaskan pipeline and the United States cuts the maximum speed limit to 55 miles an hour as an energy conservation measure. This is November 1973, and you are listening to What the Rip. I'm Bruce. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. And I'm John. And Wayne, what do we have here? Guys, we're going glam. We have Kiss and Alice Cooper, probably the best-known glam rockers out there. T-Rex, David Bowie for a few years. Maybe Elton John. Twisted Sister. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like this style originated uh, out of New York, and this group took their name from that city. We have the New York Dolls. All right. Yeah, folks, uh, back in the early 70s, we had a group of guys dressed in drag, <laughs> and they were rocking New York City. Sounds like a good weekend to me. Yeah. I mean, what are we doing? What they Let's did, do the time warp again. This self-titled album is, you know, the New York Dolls, and they are dressed up as, as women in this. Completely opposite of what they did as a persona after the Rocks concerts and things. They actually would go out and just party their asses off. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll were, were part of it. They were just hound dogs. They went after women left and right. And they could get into the women's bathrooms. Yes. Also, they were stealing their clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, pretty but, uh, well, they were so they, they were so avant-garde as women started going to their concerts. And, of course, you get enough women going to their concert, guys are going to show up. So that was, did they always dress as women for their shows? Was that the whole that was, shtick? Yeah, that was the shtick. Yeah. You know, and there's glam, lipstick, makeup. I mean, come on. They, one of the... One of the members said, I never saw the dolls looking look as dressing feminine. But, of course, you know, if you look at this, the title, the New York Dolls is done out of a lipstick, and there's a little lipstick canister there. So, yeah, they they, they were really, they, I call it shock rock at the time. They, yeah. they were just kind of shocking. Alice Cooper type thing. Where was know. David Bowie during this? Uh, David Bowie was had that same thing, but you remember he changed to that thin white juke phase too so yeah he was in it for a little bit that, you yeah know, he was early. this was ziggy stardust time yeah, exactly frame, wasn't it? exactly so the name of this song is frankenstein frankenstein you got that right this is one of their earlier songs uh what they thought was funny is edgar winter actually saw them in concert and thought that was a cool name for a song so he did his own frankenstein they, oh there they, is a connection yeah they edgar winter from the hollywood squares <laughs> <laughs> but obviously it doesn't sound Circle like the square 
but I thought it was kind of funny. I mean, it's basically about how, uh, to me, it's biographical. They are the they are the result of Frankenstein. They are Doctor Frankenstein. They are the Frankenstein monster. They're dressing up and everything else. The idea is really with with, with David Johansson, who's who's the lead singer. He said that it's really about how kids come to Manhattan from all over the world. And they're just kind of they look like whipped dogs, and they're very repressed, and they're just disoriented coming to this big city. And you know, and he goes, "It's a love song." Frankenstein, sounds a like, love story. Sounds like a long love song. Yeah. I'm gonna dedicate. I'm gonna dedicate this one to my wife. I can see couples skating to this. Yeah. <laughs> sadly, I'm just gonna sadly t- kicking their feet out as they go around in circles. Well, one of the lines is misunderstood like Frankenstein. And got let down just a bit to stir. So, I asked earlier to you guys before we got on this, um, had you guys heard of the New York Dolls before? And what was y'all's comment? I have heard of the New York Dolls before because I, I had a friend who was, like, big into punk. So, you know, you listen to Sex Pistols, you listen to that kind of stuff. This yeah. is proto-punk, I, I would call it. This is sort of the beginnings of it. They really pushed. This is where... The Ramones, all those guys from CBGBs and things like that came out of. What about you, This Bruce? is This is one of the groups. I'm familiar with the name of the group. I don't think I have ever heard a New York Dolls song. I mean, there might be one or two, but yeah, it's one of these that I think of as inspiring other musicians much more than being a commercial success themselves. Yeah, and they, they only had two albums. The second album had a song called Babylon, which was a quasi-hit. But yeah, they just they just blew out. David Johansson would go on and do a a, a solo effort, and I did one of his songs. Uh, heck, I don't know, a while back, and then he changed completely his persona and became Buster Poindexter. Oh yeah, and okay. So that was, he had the song "Hot, Hot, Hot," mm-hmm. and he was also an actor. So he played it, the biggest role I can remember him on is being the taxi driver in uh, Bill Murray's Scrooge. Scrooge. Yeah, you know so. Dramatic ending there. But like I said, this is Pills cover of a of Bo Diddley song, and it, it's uh, talking about how a nurse just keeps on giving them pills and and makes them feel all different you know ways all throughout, even though it's you know prescribed. But I'm gonna guess they self-prescribed quite a few times. So their first big concert tour was going to be in Europe, and Lou Reed was heading that up with the Velvet Underground. And it kind of makes sense. But when they got to Europe, the first day it started, the band was kicked off the tour by Lou Reed. So Rod Stewart had seen them in in New York and said, hey, join me. And that's where they got their break was Rod Stewart had them on there. And tons of people would come out to see them. I mean, they were shocking. The Who, the Beatles, members of the former Beatles. Uh, I can see David that. Bowie. They sound a lot like Rod Stewart. They, they got that Rod Stewart. No, they don't. They have no Rod Stewart sound at all. I, I can't. <laughs> I can't see Rod Stewart loving this band. I don't. I don't see it. But apparently he did. I guess. But to go back to your original thing, in 1973 they played with Twisted Sister, and now I see the connection of of how 
Twisted Sister probably went and said, hey, look, these guys are doing this. And, yeah, it was 10 years later, you know, 82, 83, when Twisted Sister started coming out. But, yeah. I always felt like Twisted Sister, like, at one point had bought too much Avon from, like, one of their relatives. <laughs> and they were like, what are we going to do with all this stuff? Here, I have an idea. <laughs> all right, I have a trivia piece here. Because these guys actually were the main artists, but they would go to towns and they would pick up groups and and let them tour with them for a few dates and everything else. And they were in Toronto and they picked this group up in 1973 to tour with them. So you guys would know, happen to know that group. If it's Toronto in 73, I'm going to say it's Rush. It is Rush. Excellent. Rush toured wow. with these guys for a few dates. So. I thought that was, I went, oh, man, yeah, Bruce is going to love that. Well, they also, I know uh, one of the places where Rush really got their big break was with, with Kiss. Yeah. Which also, I think, had an issue with the Avon lady delivering too much makeup. Way, way, way too much cake don't make it. But, <laughs> yes. I mean, honestly, it worked for them. So. That's right. I thought what's funny is their motto is, too fast to live, too young to die, let it rock. Hmm. Listen to that. The fuzzy harmonica. I was about to say, I got to respect any anybody who comes along with the harmonica. Harmonicas in the 70s were big, man. Some people called this mock rock instead of shock rock. This one's called Jet Boy, and this is more like a comic book. Uh, <laughs> you know what I was going to say? You know the old comic book, Jet Boy? That's like one of the classic freaking comic books. Oh, yeah. is it? Yeah, yeah. There's like the, the little the little kid. He's like a he's like a, a space. He's I think he's actually like an android in oh, okay. the old like 1950s, like 1940s, 1950s comic book series. Hmm. Yeah, Jet Boy. I, I wonder if this song is, is based. It off is. It is Jet Boy. Jet Boy stole my baby. Yeah, Jet Boy's fly. Jet Boy's gone. Jet Boy stole my baby. Yeah, because. Rolling Stone described this as Marvel Comics meet the Lower East Side. <laughs> yep, yeah, They based this completely off that old Jet Boy com yeah. comic book. Well, back to the beginnings of the New York Dolls. Is If you remember, there's if you had cable TV or anything, or, or, or really anywhere else, but in New York they had a station. It was an access channel. So if you would just dedicate... One half hour a day, a one a week, you could actually go and perform or do tapes and submit them and, and put them on. I did that in the 90s here in Atlanta, but and I've got some stuff. I'll, I'll try to see if I can post it. But once again, they were doing that there and talking about your shock and awe. They were on TV, you know, doing their songs, playing their set. So you're saying when, in the 90s you dressed up like a woman for Access TV? No, I had three shows I'm on Access sure that TV. I'm not sure the riff really needs that. <laughs> we call it YouTube nowadays. <laughs> you sit in your house with your phone and just make it. All right, so I have a I have a small thing. We talked about the Sex Pistols. You know who Malcolm McLaren was, correct? Yeah, yeah. He was the manager of the Sex Pistols. Yep. Well, he was, before that, a, a, a manager of the New York Dolls. So now you can kind of see how that came over. Yeah. Uh, another thing is is uh, Malcolm had a, a clothing shop. Well, that's how the New York Dolls got the name. They actually, one of the guys had a, had a job at a, called the Different Drummer, which is a men's boutique, and it's across the street 
from the New York Doll Hospital. And so they decided to call themselves the Dolls. And they would go back and forth and call themselves the Dolls or the New York Dolls. Obviously, they're the official names of New York Dolls, but among themselves, they just call themselves the Dolls. And other people do also. It was the New York Doll Hospital? Yeah. I'm going to assume it was probably a, a museum and probably they fix kids' dolls. And, you know, there are some dolls that are really, really old that are worth a lot of, of money. Some of those things are real expensive. Yeah. Well, we do have Babyland General here in Georgia. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, not too far from where, where with Brian the, lived. With the Cabbage Patch Kids. Yeah. That's right. Found it interesting. They wouldn't go shop. They were, they were cheap bastards, too, because they would go shopping for their women's clothes and stuff at the Salvation Army thrift store. Oh, you can get some fine things at Salvation <laughs> Army. They were popping tags before it was cool. <laughs> they were more popular out in Europe than they were here in the United States. Now, they're... Are they actually from New York? Because they yeah. really sound, they've got that British sound to them. Well, I think that's imported. Because okay. they, they've toured a lot in Europe, and you're going to hear the clash, the, all these other yeah. punk groups that came around, and they would basically steal that punk sound from them. That's the sound. It's We, we were talking about it being punk, but it's it's... Too, a little bit too complex for punk, but it does sound a lot like The Clash. Oh, these guys are railed for not being great musicians. I mean, people really, really did not like them. <laughs> I mean, they would go overall. Most people thought it's, it was... It's got a lot of energy, though. Energy, I mean, but it's not a... I mean, it's pretty straightforward. There's right. no... There's no... It, it's the same like punk. You know, but that's, forward, yeah, that's punk, right? I yeah. wouldn't be able to tell the difference between these guys and most other punk bands you know they sound very similar i do think they sound good but yeah i would have said is this the clash is this you know sex pistols sex pistols exactly yeah yeah, yeah you could definitely if you could if, if you didn't know this is a different band and you told me this is like an early sex pistols album i'd totally believe you yeah yeah that like i said proto-punk um this song's called bad girl it, it's it's kind of got a 50s rhythm to it and everything else and, you know, with my $20 bills, you can keep the change. All you got to do is get down on my range. So They, they lean heavily on the bass guitar in these things. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Believe it or not, there's a pop artist that, that uh, actually produced this album, Todd Rundgren. Okay. He's, <laughs> he's in the background of a lot yeah. of rock music. He would yell at him, says... Get the glitter out of your asses and play. <laughs> literally. <laughs> he was not he was not kidding. He was literally saying that. Get it out. I mean, he goes he goes, he has he's known for his really poppy sound. He goes, the irony is that I wound up producing the seminal pre punk album. So I mean, thinking about this though. It's not like this was. This is the first group that had the trans stuff. We've already done artists, I and mean, we talked about Lou Reed, "Walk mm. on the Wild Side." That was exposed. "Lola" by the Kinks. We've we've heard a lot of a lot of that theme. Did so the it, director of the CIA at this time? Uh, he kind of partook, didn't he? I don't know Herbert Herbert Hoover, or is it allegedly? Yeah, allegedly. allegedly. Yeah. Listen, as long as you're dressing up. Just look, just do, just do it right. Just go there classy. Go. Look classy. 
Get the glitter out of your ass and look classy, okay? <laughs> yeah, right. All right, here are some reviews at the time. The New York Dolls are a group of young men masquerading as teenage gay musical prodigies. However, they are neither 19, homosexual, nor talented. <laughs> <laughs> How do you really feel? Wow. Here's another one. A guy from The Independent says, They're more burlesque act than a band. One guy says, They're the quintessential glam rockers just because of their fashion. Hey, hey, you want to hear something funny about the, them that I know? We're still talking about them in 2023. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. And they wanted those reviews. They, The negative reviews yeah, exactly. were fine. The yep. positive reviews were fine. They just wanted people to hear about them. They're notorious about being late to gigs and then only playing for an hour. <laughs> I they went to the Axl Rose School of Show for a Concert. <laughs> yeah. Well, they broke up in the 70s. They would come back. Three members would come back. Actually, it was interesting. Who was that? She's. Uh, I'm trying to see who it was. Morrissey was the head of the UK um, fan club, and God brought them back together as a Oh, as okay. Their, thing. their last group they played in December 76 in Kansas City. They were the same bill as Blondie. Wow. I can see that being a fit. Well, thank you, Wayne. That was a that was a good album there. It's exhausting, man. Oh. <laughs> now we're going to go on to our entertainment track brought to us by Monkey Wrench Brewing. What do we got here? The forest, laughing back and forth at what the other has to say. This is a, this is a New York this Dolls. A New York yeah. Dolls. Yeah. Switch it up later in the year. Disney had a production called Robin Hood. If you remember that. It, um, oh, the cartoon, yeah. yeah. the cartoons, and this was a song on that. And this was uh, Roger Miller. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. This, is, this is the one where Robin Hood's the fox, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's another movie called Ash Wednesday, a dark drama starring Elizabeth Taylor and Henry Fonda. I never saw that. Executive Action was a conspiracy thriller about the assassination of John F. K. And it starred Burt Lancaster. He's a good actor. I just don't remember that movie at all. Arnold was a horror comedy field with Stella Stevens, Rodney McDowell, and Jamie Farr was in it from Klinger from Mash. Oh, yeah. All right, let's get back to some rock and roll. All right, Rob, what you got for us? Listen to that rocking guitar. This is such a good riff. It is a cool intro, isn't it? This is Jimmy Page. And he's playing a six string and a 12 string at the same time. That would be 18 strings. Actually, they put them together in the studio. But... Oh, okay. Isn't that just clean and clear? Beautiful. And, of course, uh, we'll hear Robert Plant coming in here in a moment with his unique voice. I remember playing this on acoustic guitar. Do you? Yeah. Hey, lady. I love Led Zeppelin, but I played them way too much. (laughs) (laughs) And I sort of had to take a break from it. They had they wrote this song, Page and Plant, uh, in 1970, after they got off a long tour, and I guess this was about how they were feeling at the time, talking about many have I loved, many times been bitten, many times I've gazed along the open road. Huh. Let's pick it up here. Kick it. 
Man, you know, I think they figured at this point in their life they had become experts dealing with many, many things. You know, this in contrast to the New York Dolls, I can see why the New York Dolls are getting trashed. When you've got Jimmy Page <laughs> kicking out hits like this. Oh, yeah. And then they're like, ah, eh, we'll show up whenever we show up. We'll yell at the mic for a minute. This is Over the Hills and Far Away. And it was the first single off of their fifth album, Houses of the Holy. That would be the first album that actually had a name, as opposed to... You're right. But the song Houses of the Holy is not on that album. That's true. And the title is not on the album cover. This song made it to number 51 on the charts. Yeah, I was going to say, they really didn't have any top 40 hits. I read an article on uh, Wiki, Wikipedia, and uh, Andrew Unterberger of Spin in 2014 ranked this their best song. From his description, he said it demonstrates just about everything the band does well. The unforgettable and impossible to pin down opening riff, the life-affirming transition from acoustic to electric, the constant switches in tone and dynamic, and the piercing solo with double-tracked climax, the interplay of guitar, bass, and drum, and of course, the inevitable plant shrieking. <laughs> Even the super oblique title. I always thought, of, I mean, they had the Lord of the Rings stuff or token stuff all over, over the hills and far away. That was the J.R. Tolkien poem. Yeah, that's what I thought. And uh, I think a lot of artists are kind of have been influenced by them. Oh, yeah. Gollum and the Evil One. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Misty Mountain Hop. Yeah. And I never realized it, but this last phrase, he says, many is a word that only live, leaves you guessing. <laughs> and he's talking about the word many, mm -hmm. the actual word. They really had a lot of smart lyrics, man. You got John Bonham on drums, and then John Paul Jones on the bass and organ and synths, and then you hear him on the, that's the clavinet there at the end. We've talked about the clavinet before. Yeah. Can you hear that? Heck, it's still <laughs> got over 30 seconds left on this song. They do this. Work. It's just such, it's a, such a neat song. It's also, it, it's almost like something that belongs in a big cathedral, mm -hmm. you know. Off in the distance. Yeah, exactly. Over the hills and far away. Yeah, and yeah. here's the end here. Just Yeah. Definitely an interesting change. It ends similarly to how yeah. it started. Yeah. So yeah. Hope you enjoyed that. That's All cool. right, now we're moving on to our next staff pick, which is being brought to us by Bruce. What do you have for us, Bruce? Oh, you'll recognize this almost immediately, I'm sure. A whole lot of loving. <laughs> <laughs> It does sound like that. I do know does, this song, doesn't. yes. I remember this song. <laughs> do you remember this yes. song? Okay. This is a group I am totally unfamiliar with. Really? I was doing the research, and I was about to go with the song that Wayne would have just thrown me out of here for. And then I ran across this, and I'm like, that's not a good sound. So this is one of the most successful Australian bands from the 70s. Uh -huh. This is Sherbert. 
or the Sherbs, as they might have been known. Oh, the Sherbs were in the in the in the eighties, though, if I recall. It sounds like Joe Walsh. It has a little bit of that sound, doesn't it? I think it? it sounds a little bit like Peter Frampton. Okay. Oh, yeah. Especially at that time, yes. It definitely does have that Peter Frampton sound, doesn't yeah. it? So this is the lead track to their second album, On With The Show. It was not put out as a single. There was one single from the album, um, and it went to the, the album went to number six on the Australian charts. But... It, it went nowhere in the United States. In fact, I, I've listened to some of the songs from Sherbert, and I'm not familiar with any of them myself. So it's one of these that hit in, the, in Australia. Uh, it, they had some hits in the U.K., but really the highest, I think they were like number 61 in one of their songs in the U.S., and that's about it. But it's just got a good sound. I like it. This is great. I, I feel like I had heard it. It sounds a little bit familiar to me, but I didn't have it, certainly. Ooh, yeah. Wow, 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 wow. I like the wow, wow there. I like the name of their band. It's a good name, isn't it? Sherbert. Everybody likes Sherbert. So the band is, uh, you've got Alan Sando on, um, on drums. You've got Tony Mitchell on bass and vocals. You've got Clive Shakespeare on the guitars and vocals. And lead vocals is Daryl Braithwaite. Ah, ah, and organ is uh, Garth Porter. Drum solo. Little bit, little bit of a drum solo. So it's got a little bit of everything. That's That was the 70s drum solo. Oh, yeah. Heck, we went to go see Casey and the Sunshine Band, and they had a drum solo, and it was like, really? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Here's why they had the drum solo. Me and, me and Wayne hypothesized that uh, Casey, poor Casey, was on the back on oxygen. <laughs> 71 years old on the stage. Uh, yeah. Doing disco dancing. And, he, you know. Yeah, it, it, was, uh, it was not their heyday. Yeah. 19, 2023 is not Casey and the Sunshine Band's heyday. Yeah. yeah. Just just FYI. He was he was doing a little dance, making a little love, and L- getting down a tonight. Da- a little I think dance. He, I think he fell down tonight. <laughs> <laughs> fall down tonight. I, some, a friend of mine posted on Facebook that he saw Frankie Valley last night. Oh, no. Wow. Really? The guy's 88 years Get old. Oh, my goodness. 88 That's years amazing. old and performing. Does he mean he saw him on TV? Like an old, like a he rerun? Saw him, he saw him here in Atlanta at the Cobb Performing Arts Center. Wow. And he, and he held up his phone and it said the volume is too loud, you know, for yeah. 30 minutes. Uh, his phone was giving him a warning. <laughs> Get out. That's awesome. <laughs> Did he sound good? He, he said it was great. On this album, the only single was a song called Cassandra, and it went to number five on the Australian charts, but I couldn't find it at all on the U.S. charts. So our Australian friends, you may recognize this. I wonder if they have that same law that Canada has, that every third song has to be a Canadian-written song or, or Australian-written song for them. So it's like all Celine Dion all day? <laughs> Or Triumph, or Rush, or yeah, yeah. Loverboy, Aldo Nova. Yeah. There we go. So anyway, I just enjoyed that. I thought it was a fun song. I got to tell you, I, I think this song's really cool. It's got a good sound to it. It does. Doesn't, I, and it, it never went anywhere. It was never a single. 
Thanks, Bruce. Well My done, pleasure. sir. Now let's hop over to our next staff pick, brought to us by John. What do you have for you, us? You guys might have heard of this band. You might know this intro. That's a great riff, isn't it? This is the uh, Tom Johnston on vocals singing for the Doobie Brothers. Long train running. What a great voice that is, right? Yeah. yeah. Doesn't that bass, the bass runs in the background there? All right, so I was doing some uh, I was doing some research on this song because I wasn't even born when this song came out. <laughs> uh, but I've, I've always loved the Doobie Brothers. Like, I've always been a fan of the Doobie Brothers. I've always loved uh, McDonald's voice. I've loved Johnson's voice. Um, I love the riffs. I love the way they, they incorporate the, the drums in the background. I love, I, I, I'm going to tell you this, I love a, a good harmonica solo. So uh, if you can if you can work a harmonica into your song, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan. More harmonica. Yeah, more harmonica. But what's funny is that they wrote this song, the, the, the tracks for the song in 1970, and then they sang it almost just randomly in different clubs with different words. Huh. These words were not added to this music until 1973. But they played the song. The, the song was named like six or seven different things through from 1970 to 1973, and then in '73 they were like, "Listen, we gotta, we gotta record this thing." There's your harmonica. No, I love it. Well, you do a harmonica well. It's nice. What I like about this song is it sounds like a long train running. It sounds like a travel song. It sounds like you're just going down the road. You're right. You're right. It does. It's got that steady, fun beat. You can see yourself sitting on a train in the summertime looking at the, the world go by. Yeah. Got some bongos in there, too. Yeah, Johnson, or, uh, Johnson said, if, if anybody tells you that this song means this or that, they're lying to you. <laughs> we literally just kept adding words to this song until we liked it, and they were like, there it is. <laughs> you know that that recent song, Life is a Highway? Yeah, yeah. I feel like it was inspired by this. Yeah. There's yeah. some similarities there. I'm trying to remember who sang that. I think Rascal Flatts did a version. I can't remember who did it for the Disney movie. For though. an acoustical sound there, they are rocking. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, ooh, yes. And here we, here we go. go. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Love it. If you guys, if people who listen to the podcast, if you've never listened to Doobie Brothers or you haven't given them much of a chance, I'm telling you, man, they've got some great music. They're solid, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go see them in concert before they disappear. I think they're on their last. No, like everybody else, their last concert ever. Their 19th last concert. Yeah, exactly. And they'll do a residency in Las Vegas. All right, John, thank you for bringing that. Now we get to go back and hear from. The man who started it all today with his staff pick. Once again, I introduce you most hauntingly beautiful songs ever. Uh. Still, you turn me on to Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. No, this is not the prog rock of ELP. It's the acoustic rock of theirs. They had a few acoustic songs. Um, we'll eventually do an album. I'm thinking about doing works um, eventually. But we this, have to, yeah. 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 
Um, on this album, you know, along with this song, they had um, Carnival Number no. Nine. Is you know the welcome, my friends, to the show that never ends. That's a that. fantastic. The song. album is Brain Salad Surgery, from 1973, which was you know came out at this month. Some songs are just magical, and this is one to me. Uh, I agree. This has got prog rock bonafides though, because the 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 chords that they're using are, are not yeah. your standard one four five kind of chords. I, this is another song I get emotional about. I, I actually about came to tears when I was when I decided I was going to do this and I started listening to it. Yeah, it's rock and roll in here. There's a YouTube video of of of, 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 of Greg Lake and he he's there with the guitar. He's singing solo in front of uh, twenty five thousand people, and he's chewing gum while singing. <laughs> and he nailed it. It was like, what a great voice. It was hypnotizing. I mean, yeah. the talent. I mean, he's on a 12-string guitar. We talked about that. This song is one of those timeless songs. I mean, to me, you could pull this out now, and, and if someone pulled and sang this song, yeah, there may be some changes or whatever else. But I mean, you talked about Celine Dion. If she did this song now, so, and it, no, it had not come out before, yeah, it would be a hit. And the fact that you've got lyrics that say, someone get me a ladder, just in the middle of it, you can't beat that. <laughs> All right. So just anybody. I always anybody thought this was a song about, a, you know, a guy and a, 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 a someone, some woman who's in his life that say, hey, still, you turn me on. And, that, and that's what got me emotional about it. Yeah, yeah. But then I start reading the lyrics and I'm going, oh, it's not that. And then I go, oh, song meanings. It's about him playing in front of an audience. Huh. And it's just every time, it doesn't make sense to him that every time he goes up on, on stage, goes, the emotions, the stuff I get from you is what's turning me on. Yeah. Everything. W- what are they using to make that little clicking sound in the background? What is that? Uh, I assume it's a synthesizer because Keith Emerson was the synthesizer king. So oh, yeah. You had Carl Palmer on this also, who's the drummer. I think that was great. Thank you for bringing that, that there, man. Wayne. That was awesome. So now we're going to go to either a laugh track or instrumental track. And in 73, you had Teaching Chong. This is Sister Mary Elephant. Wait a minute. What? What? <laughs> that was early morning for us as, you know, <laughs> as a kid. They would play this on the radio just to wake you up. On a small vacation. Listen. However, she does send her love and these finger paintings and dust cloths she's making. I am your substitute teacher, Sister Mary Elephant. Was that voice Cheek or Chong? No, 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 no. They, they, yeah. <laughs> My gosh. We apologize Young from the podcast. We apologize for your you. eardrums. <laughs> well, top hits of 1973. Photograph, Ringo Starr. That's an album we probably want, might want to do. He's got like three top hits on that. Great idea. Yeah. Keep on trucking with Eddie Kendricks. And that was not, that was more of a uh, soul song. Top of the world. The Carpenters. Looking oh. down on creation. Oh, my goodness. What a great song. <laughs> my God. <laughs> The Space Race by Billy Preston and Heartbeat, It's a Love Beat, the DeFranco family. And that was your purely pop song. One thing that happened in music of 73 I thought was interesting. The Who opened up their Quadrophenia tour in San Francisco's Cow Palace, but Keith Moon passes out 
and carried off the stage. And a 19-year-old fan is selected out of the audience to finish the show, if you you've heard about that. Wow. Classic who? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. The, uh, some albums that came out. Uh, John Lennon's Mind Games. The Piano Man, uh, Billy Joe. I think that's on our database to do. The Wild, The Innocent, and the East Street Shuffle. Bruce Springsteen's second album. You had Bette Midler, the OGs, Santana, coming out with songs. Alice Cooper had Muscle of Love. Yoko Ono, an album I'm we're sorry. not even going to cover. Nope. No. <laughs> Ike and Teeny Turner. ELO had on the third day. I have, I don't remember that much on that one, but I'll have to go back myself. and look. But some of the things in TV of November 1973, Barbara Streisand had his special on CBS, and if you, were, she was big in the late oh, yeah. 60s, mm-hmm. early 70s. She just was. A Star all is over Born the place. was out around this yeah, time, exactly. right? That second iteration. The animated special for Thanksgiving is a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Came up. It ended up winning an Emmy. And I didn't get to it, but Andy Warhol had a movie called Frankenstein. Uh, it had it was a space vision 3D process. It was rated X, and I had a lot of nudity and stuff in it. But Andy Warhol, that's all you had to yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been listening to What the Riff. We've been in November 1973. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm John. And I'm Bruce. We'll see you guys next time. Now shut up! <laughs> the butterflies. The dew kisses the morning grass. At class. Class! Wake up! Thanks for listening to What the Riff? We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff?